0: Hey everybody, welcome back to Question Field, the place where you ask the questions and we feel them. And for the first time, we're not lying about that. We are actually working off of a user-submitted question. I'm Brian, I'm joined of course by Campbell, and we have a guest today. Hello. <laughs> 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 yes, we're joined by, uh, by James from last episode. We're picking up basically where we were last time. Um, But just as a refresher, here is our question from uh, Andrew. Andrew, thank you again for sending your question in. All right. And this is what he said, right? Just started listening to the latest episode of your pod. And the topic of dimensions got me thinking about something I would love to hear your perspective on. I am a mechanical and manufacturing engineer. One thing that has always mesmerized me is resolution of measurement and error calculations in general. It'd be great to hear how these concepts fit into the theoretical side of physics. So that came from Andrew. Thank you, Andrew. And again, thank you, James, for being here for joining. You're very welcome.
1: It's great to be here.
2: Yeah, thanks, James. Uh, So, yeah, last time we were were building up to answering this question in the context of particle physics and specifically your research, James, Um, and we talked about proton structure and and uh, parton distribution functions, how you might go about looking for new physics uh, that goes beyond the standard model of, of, of particle physics by kind of adding these interactions, these these terms in your in your equations. And then seeing if if the resulting theory is uh, you know better explains the data is that a fair summation, James? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. I guess to, to get to the the crux of the matter, um, in order to kind of figure out like how good of a picture that we have that is explaining the data, we I guess we need to have some idea of of the um, of the errors and the the sort of. Uh, degree of certainty that we have on, on our um, observations and, and theoretical pred- predictions. Is that, is that fair to say? Yeah, that's exactly right. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And so how, how does this come into you know, your research?
1: Well, um, so 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 we're specifically concerned with these these functions, these part-on distribution functions, which uh, I guess we were talking about last time. Um, yeah. But uh, the, the the key thing that we want to know about these functions is how precisely can we know these functions? Uh, we need to mm-hmm. we need to have some sort of error bars on the functions because we are inferring them from fits to data. And just to
2: to, to jump in real quick, so to recap, these these functions told you like given a certain uh, certain energy and momentum of your protons, how likely is it that you're going to find some muon at a certain energy or some quark or gluon shower or something like that? Uh, you know, w- what are the probabilities of finding certain products of the of the collision?
1: Is that right? Uh, that, yeah, that's exactly right. It's the probability of ejecting stuff from uh, something from the proton. Exactly, exactly. Right. Um, okay, so, okay. yeah, yeah. So, um, that then participates in some sort of like hard scattering reaction. So, yeah. So, yeah, mm-hmm. exactly, exactly. Cool. Um, but yeah, so, yeah, yeah. We, as, a, as, a, as, a, as we said last time, actually, yeah, they, they're, they're inferred from fits to data. So we have this, this picture of the data that we get from the collider experiments. And we also have this, um, this theory prediction, which involves these functions, um, and also involves some sort of hard scattering reaction. Um, and we compare the two of them together and we try to infer what the functions are. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, it's very important that when we actually infer the functions, we also have some sort of error propagated from the experiment. Um, so obviously, the experiment comes with some sort of error. There's lots of sources in the error, uh, in the experimental error. They come from poor statistics, so not having enough collisions. You know, like they mm-hmm. come from systematic uh, errors. So, um, so things to do with like detector effects that have to be propagated mm-hmm. as well. All of it taken care of by experimentalists and all packaged into essentially one big error bar on their measurements. Uh, often correlated between different measurements as well. So errors on one kind of Affect errors on other measurements. Uh, So, a lot of it is quite highly complicated statistics from that end. Um, And then we take that data and we say, okay, well, can we infer the function? And also, what uncertainty can we infer on this function as well? And it's it's obviously important to have a measurement of what the uncertainty is like because uh, if if we if we then take this function and we use it to predict something else you know like predict another like the effect of another proton-proton collision we want to know like what what can we expect and what kind of error can we expect on on on, on the resulting prediction uh, and it's particularly important to know it, these functions very well uh, when we're doing the kind of thing that I do which is looking at new physics effects because uh, you, you might you might reasonably say okay well we, we need we need we need to have a uh, precise knowledge of these functions before we can even start hunting for new Physics, which we're going to have even less of a precise knowledge about. So yeah, so we need to make sure all of our standard model predictions are really, really good before we start worrying about new physics. First, um, yeah. so yeah, so so it's it's a very important uh, issue. Is term in terms of you know like how do we how do we propagate the experimental uncertainty onto these functions?
2: Because I guess the uh, in order to say that you've made a discovery in in physics, right? You 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 have some sort of likelihood that given the data that you observe the 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 null hypothesis, if you like, is correct, right? The, the sort of, um, the, in this case, would be the standard model. Given the data that we predict, the, that we observe, sorry, what's the probability that the standard model still remains true? This might be, I guess, the kind of uh, question that you would ask in a sort of statistical test. Something yeah
1: like yeah that. yeah exactly exactly that's the sort of thing that we might propose uh, if we were doing a hypothesis right. test for new physics exactly, exactly. And, there's a,
2: and there's a sort of cutoff right uh you know if, if you see a if you see some sort of probability which is you know very 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 small then you can uh, and it has to be a, you know particularly it has to be smaller than a particular value then you can say okay well, we've made a discovery this is definitely now uh, good enough to say that there's new physics here
1: that's exactly right. Yeah. So, right. And, in, and the, the threshold for that in particle physics is, is what's called five sigma, uh, which mm-hmm. is, is, is five standard deviations away from the mean. If you, you approximate mm-hmm. your distribution as like a normal distribution. Um, so, and if, if, if your probability is further, like if your event is, is less likely than that, then, uh, uh, then mm-hmm. you can say pretty, pretty securely that, you know, like it, 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 this is something that you can be confident is not just statistical fluctuation.
2: And, and I guess the, the sort of error that you've propagated through um, from the experiment to the, the, the parton distribution function that you um, calculate, that plays a role in determining, to, uh, you know, determining your, your confidence level,
1: right? Exactly. Exactly. Because of course, yeah. the the parton distributions themselves are then used as an ingredient for other theoretical predictions. So they were used right. in the discovery of the Higgs, for example, in making the predictions right, right, for the Higgs. Right. They were inferred from some data and used for the Higgs uh, discovery later on. So yeah, the, the error on those will form a part of the overall picture of the error that is is put on the final the final mm-hmm. final predictions. But, yeah. So I guess the, to to um, maybe
2: sensationalize a little bit or, or sell the idea of this episode this is kind of like the heart of what of making discoveries in in uh, modern day particle physics you really need to get a good handle on this in order to say that you're you're uh, finding new physics
1: yeah absolutely absolutely yeah, yeah. Uh, of course, it is. It is it just uh, just to desensationalize, I guess. It's, 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 only, it's only one one source of one source of, of error. Course. There are, of course, many other sources of error, uh, both on the side of theory and the side of experiment as well. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. another yeah. another great example is uh, from the theory side of things is that when we when we do the predict- predictions for the hard scattering cross section, so the thing that I described as like classical billiard balls, mm-hmm. that um, they they have they also have quantum corrections in those, um, mm-hmm. and we don't know, we can't calculate all of the quantum corrections. So there are some that are missing. So people have to estimate oh, what kind of uncertainty can we expect from the ones that are missing. You know, like, so there's, there's, they're called missing higher order uncertainty effects. So that, that's also yeah, an ingredient yeah. that goes into the theoretical side. That along yeah. with these part-on distribution errors, uh, there's errors from the hadronization the effects, as I was talking about before, and things like that. So yeah. errors appear all the time, but you know, like, and certainly the, the, putting them all together is no easy task, but you know, like, but it's something that you have to Absolutely. do if you're going to make yeah. um, good predictions. But
2: yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it sounds incredibly, yeah, incredibly complicated to make sure that you're you're accounting for all of the sources of error and that you're combining them correctly. And as you as you're going to talk about, sort of propagating that through the, the calculations. So, okay. So, w- w- what's the what sort of methods for? So, you've got these these experimental errors that you're um, that you're sort of given by the experimentalists and by the data that you're um, that you're observing, uh, I guess, because you you said that there was sort of you know. If there aren't enough data points, then that sort of comes with a with some uh, inherent uncertainty um, associated with that data. Hmm. So okay, and then and you you want to then come up with some uncertainty on the part on dif- distribution function at the end of the day. What's the kind of process from getting from A to B there?
1: Um, well, I, it it depends on it depends on how, how you fit the part-on distributions basically. So there there are there are lots of competing approaches. There, there are kind of like three main collaborations that do this kind of fitting. Um, so so from the collaboration that I work with, uh, which is the the NNPDF collaboration, so which stands for Neural mm-hmm. Network Bottom Distribution Functions, which is to do with the way that we parameterize these functions. The the name comes from the fact that we use a neural network to to model the function. Uh, that is, that, that's actually, uh, just to take a step back for a second, um, that, that is actually uh, an important thing to, to mention before we can go anywhere. Uh, when you're trying to fit functions in physics, functions are you know like these nice smooth continuous things, but you only have finite amounts of data. You, have, you might have thousands and thousands of data points, but you're trying to infer information about something that potentially has infinitely many degrees of freedom because it's a continuous thing. So yeah. how, how do you do it? Well, in physics, we have to come up with some sort of way of modelling it. So um, we reduce the... The, functional, the the freedom of the function, to only a few parameters, and some people do this by modeling it like a like a polynomial or something like that. Mm-hmm. So you know, like so, there's some sort of like sum of power laws. Um, but in the collaboration that I work with, we we, we use neural networks instead. So, um, so so the idea is that they are hopefully more flexible in terms of the the, the, power, the way that you can do this kind of parameterization.
2: And surely, if you if you have the word neural network in your in your uh, <laughs> collaboration title, it's much better for funding, I imagine. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know, like, and
1: you say, "Oh, we do quantum physics with neural networks," and you go, "Yeah, yeah." yeah they, they throw money at you. Not really, though. Yeah, <laughs> no, you need to say quantum. You need to say quantum computing, Definitely. and then they'll throw money at you. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, true. true. Um, yeah. We should we should uh, talk James at some point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we, yeah, 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 So I always feel like yeah, yeah. The particle physics. Uh, so me and Campbell both obviously uh, we work at Cambridge together, and the particle physics seminars I feel are always very underfunded compared to the quantum computing ones. I'm always very very envious. Of, Know. Uh, <laughs> um but anyway uh, so um, yeah so to, to go back yeah the, 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 the we, as I say we parameterize these these functions with, with neural networks instead so mm-hmm. they, they've they got a finite number of parameters so they can be now mm-hmm. fitted with the finite amounts of data that we have so um, but it, it obviously restricts the form that the functions can take um, but it's still sufficiently flexible we believe to, to, to accommodate the data so um, and that, those are the things that we want to come up with like errors on we want to come up with errors on the neural network parameters and say you know like are oh, we well, you know, like the, the, what, what is the uncertainty on these parameters and the data? Um, and the typical way that uh, so the, the way that our collaboration deals with it is something called the uh, the Monte Carlo replica method. Um, so uh, the, the, this comes from the idea that uh, if you give me an experimental measurement and you give me some sort of uncertainty on it. Um, the, this is really the, the idea of the Monte Carlo replica method. Says, well, what it, in some other universe had someone else made the measurement? Then it, it, it would be like uh, it, maybe, maybe I can pick what the measurement would have been, what the central value of the measurement would have been, according to the distribution that this is telling me. So you know, like, so I should fluctuate around the the real world experimental value um, by mm-hmm. throwing the dice and saying, okay, you know, like how like let, let's plop, plop, plop another point, you know, like close to that, you know, like according to the the number of standard deviations we have. So perhaps, you know, points closer to the real experimental value will get picked more, li- more often. Further away, they'll get pe- picked less frequently. Um, so um, we imagine, yeah, like, what would have happened in these alternative universes? And we generate mm-hmm. a big selection of samples of these uh, to kind of, like, sp- to spread out, you know, like, a, a, you know, a hundred different universes or a thousand different universes where the measurement was repeated. Um, and mm-hmm. But we got different results, but they're all, like, fairly consistent with one another, and the real-world measurement is the one that's governing the statistics of these, these measurements. So for each of these then, these these fake pieces of data, so the ones that we've generated ourselves, we then say, okay, uh, let's fit the, the parton distributions perfectly to each of these, these fake pieces of data, okay? Mm-hmm. So we, we perform our fitting method, we do a minimization that gets the best fit parameters for each of the, the, the different uh, points uh, for each of the different universes, and we get a big spread of resulting parton distributions. Um, and from that spread of parton distributions, we then say, okay, right, well, from that, we can infer some sort of statistics on the pattern distributions. We can we can infer some error bars. We look at the whole ensemble and the group of them together, and then we we, we can uh, we can we can get the get the statistics that we want. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is uh, supposed to be um, a very flexible method in terms of error propagation because uh, it, it's it's very it, it's very intuitive to understand. It's very easy to implement, and uh, it also I mean it also means that you can propagate uh, errors that are not normally distributed errors as well. Um, so mm-hmm. it's very standard in physics to have uh, normal normal distributions. So you know like uh, so uh, bell 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 shaped kind of curves. But if your data is not necessarily normal normally distributed, it doesn't matter at all. With with this method, you still your dice, but you just throw it according to the other distribution that you're using. Um and mm. you can still propagate the error correctly in that way. Um so that's the kind of the, the general method that is is used by by the the, the collaboration that, that my supervisor works with.
2: So let me see if I if if we both uh or if we're all on the same page here. So you're you're generating new data, these these alternate universes where the the data points are kind of might be quite close to the ones that you observe in real experiments, but Uh, sort of shifted by some random amount maybe and somehow that um, that uh, shifting is going to be maybe set by a distribution probability distribution which itself comes from the experimental errors of that like the error bars around that that measurement point is that is that correct
1: that's exactly right yeah yeah Yeah.
2: okay so that's how the sort of experimental error gets baked into this um, this propagation thing that you're you're proposing
1: precise thing yeah
2: cool okay and then and then right so for each so for each point, you you come up, you shift the point a little bit, and if you do that for all of your data points, that gets you a new universe, <laughs> and then you generate up a whole bunch of universes, and then uh, from for each of those universes, you look at the the parton distribution function that you can you can generate, and then I see, and then you yeah, uh, and then you can look at the kind of average of those and and the spread of those and that kind of thing.
1: Precisely, yeah, yeah, that's exactly cool, what we do. Cool. Did.
2: And that's Monte Carlo. What did you say that was? Sorry, Monte Carlo yeah. something.
1: that. So it's called the Monte Carlo replica method. Okay. Replicating the universe. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So the the different samples you call replicas, and yeah, yeah. So you end up with like a, an ensemble <laughs> of replicas. Yeah. yeah, Exactly. Wow. It's, it yeah, kind of yeah, sounds
2: yeah. like you're you're stepping into the Blade Runner universe. <laughs> I haven't <laughs> yeah. seen that film. <laughs> uh, I haven't. I, I know. I know a
1: bit about it though. Yeah, it's good to right, see right, see right. It. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Creating yeah, yeah. these. Replicant replicants. replicants yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we should call them we should call them replicants
2: yeah <laughs> <laughs> that'd be fun yeah and then you've got to you've got to have some sort of part of the of the maths which goes through and kills off the the deviant replicants or something
1: <laughs> like that <laughs> Well, you say you say that, but you know, like, yeah, so, yeah, it, it's it's almost true sometimes. You know, like sometimes you get portraits that do have to be cut, and you say, "Oh yeah, this is not realistic." Anyway, yeah, yeah, So yeah, yeah, fair, <laughs> fair. And so
2: uh, Monte Carlo is like this broad, uh, this broad kind of suite of methods, right? Which is, is very useful in physics, isn't it?
1: Yes, that's exactly right. Yeah.
2: And I guess the the kind of unifying thread in all of these these methods is is randomness. In some, in some sense, you're, you're kind of um, tossing coins and trying to sample from, from some underlying distribution, uh, mm. pos- probability distribution. So I guess the one example of, that I've come across is um, estimating the value of pi. Um, and so if, you're, if you throw darts at a dartboard, which itself is inside a, inside a square... And you look at the ratio of darts that hit inside the circle uh, of the dartboard and those that hit uh, just in the in the square in general. That ratio is going to... well. No, that's not going to be true. Is it? The, the ratio isn't going to approach pi, but it's going to approach one on pi. Maybe is is that uh, that's probably true, right? Yeah, the like the squares area divided by the circles area. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. So that that would be like a Monte Carlo method for uh, for estimating pi, right? You're sort of randomly throwing darts at at a Dartboard.
1: Yeah, exactly. This is yeah, this is exactly right. Yeah.
2: <laughs> cool. And so yeah, and the randomness comes in in your case by these these replica uh, data points.
1: Precisely, precisely, yeah.
2: Cool, cool. Okay. And uh, so that's a that's a nice Story does it (laughs) is it is it the the complicating factors that you need to take into account?
1: There can be some problems with this method, yes. So um, Mm there 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 are and there are various other techniques that you can use instead to propagate errors. So um, and you can you can kind of benchmark these methods against one another um, and kind of see the kind of different different distributions you get. Importantly, though, um, the, 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 this is the case in general with statistics, which is um, the method is usually not wrong. Um, it's it's your interpretation of the method that can you know, can lead to like uh, to misleading results. <laughs> sometimes, you know, like it, it, not understanding the statistics you are doing can mean that sometimes you can get some strange results. Um, so the multicolor replica method—it it sounds very reasonable and sounds like the sort of thing that you should always do because it sounds like, oh, obviously this is going to work, and you are know, like this is going to definitely <laughs> propagate errors correctly. But there are kind of other reasonable things that you could say, you know, like in terms of ways that you could you could actually propagate the errors. Um, so another another classic method of doing error propagation is uh, using Bayesian methods instead. Um, so um, Bayesian methods uh, work on a slightly different uh, uh, a different kind of approach, uh, where they they work with uh, you start with some sort of prior. Uh, like assumption about the distribution of your uh, your 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 like your parameters in your model. So in terms of the parameters that the the parameterize the possible distributions, we might assume some prior knowledge of them and say, ah, oh, you know, like I reckon that they're about this, you know, in between these kind of like intervals. And we insert all these assumptions. Um, then we use uh, this mathematical tool called Bayes' theorem, um, which tells mm-hmm. us how the probabilities are updated according to observations of evidence. Okay, and um, you can use this to propagate error as well so you can you can use Bayes theorem in this exact way um, to to work out exactly how the errors should change Um, and here it's very clear where your kind of like bias and assumptions have been injected you inject it right from the beginning and say you know like this is what I expect you know like uh, uh, before the experiment this is what I thought and this is what I get after the experiment after I've seen some evidence Um, so this is another method that you might use to propagate errors as well so I'm using as I say Bayes theorem Um, this is this is different from the Monte Carlo replica method as it turns out uh, they don't necessarily give you the same results um, and both sound like like fairly reasonable things to be doing um, yeah so it's it's it can that's be kind of it, annoying that they, they don't agree exactly yeah so it, it, you might expect that all statistics should give you exactly the same answers you know so and, but naturally a good question to ask is you know like okay well which one should we trust then you know like which is the one that's a, a proper like uh, a proper indication of like kind of the error that we're expecting um, and it's, it's it's sometimes quite difficult to tell, to be honest. You know, like what the best the, the best thing to be doing is. You you kind of need to, you need an proper, a proper appreciation of what you are going to use your statistics for. Mm-hmm. Um, and typically in physics, Bayesian methods are preferred. Um, so uh, the Bayesian methods are thought to be, to, to, to well, I mean, it, a lot, um, for most of the applications in physics, Bayesian methods are more suited in terms of the way the, the way that we're actually the, the way we actually conduct physics. Um, in the fra- the general framework is, you know, like you have some assumptions about your model, you update the assumptions according to an ex- experimental observation, and you get some I- inference on the, the the final distribution of the parameters. And that is that is how physics works really. So it is kind of like almost a mathematics. Sem- a mathematical simulation of what you're actually doing in terms of like the experimental stuff. Mm. Uh, Monte Carlo is kind of a bit more abstract in terms of, you know, like I say, oh, we're just gonna like pick lots of different universes and fit lots of different things. And this seems also very reasonable, but it is not quite the same thing in terms of the, the, the actual, the actual uh, in the way that the math works out. One mm. of the problems, uh, one of the key problems actually with the Monte Carlo replica method is that uh, sometimes your theory can't account for the universes that you have generated. Um, and this is this is the this is a big problem sometimes. Uh, so you can imagine, for example, that maybe, maybe let's imagine a very simple theory. So um, imagine that your theory is just uh, maybe like a like a like a, a parabola or something. So like a curve that you know like a, has a minimum, um, and it's describing a single data point. Okay, and that's the our aim is to fit you know like a, this this single data point using my theory. And uh, my theory, as I say, is just a parabola. As I vary the parameter, it changes the height of the parabola, and what uh, one height of the parabola is going to agree particularly well with the data or something that's 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 perhaps you know like a very sure. very simple scenario but you'll realize very quickly that okay mm. but the, the theory that theory that parabola has a minimum value okay it can't it can't go smaller than a certain value um, in whatever value of the parameter I pick okay mm. if uh, there, there is there is no way of getting theory uh, like a theory value which is smaller than the minimum of the parabola. So if we start off with our data and we generate loads of random universes around the data, um, it can be the case that the data falls below the minimum of the parabola in my fake universe. Even if the data was perfectly fine and consistent with the theory to start with, in terms of propagating Mm. the error, maybe in one of the fake universes I generate, I get a point that's below the minimum of the parabola. That's that's a bit of an issue now because... (laughs) How, how do I fit that universe? What is the best fit v- value of the parameter in that universe? Well, right. you get the minimum of the parabola, you get the, the smallest value there, and you say, oh, that's the yeah. best, best fit for that value. And this is a bit of a problem in terms of the distribution that you get as a result, because the distribution now starts piling up with the same point really being favoured constantly right. by uh, by if we generate in, in lots and lots of the universes that I generate. So, so you can kind of end up getting a an, a, a really strange spike in the kind of the, the distributions that you get, and it can look like you know your function a lot more certainly than you you're actually expecting to know it. Um, so there's this kind of this this inherent problem with Monte Carlo when 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 the theory is not really suited for the data that's being described or the theory is maybe strongly strongly restrained in certain directions or something um, so so uh, Monte Carlo can have this kind of like this this problem um, yeah um, yeah
2: so okay l- let me see if uh, if I'm understanding correctly um so I think uh I'm, I'm sort of a little fuzzy on on how the the um the you know particle physics case relates to this this parabola example yeah yeah so in in that particular case the, the parameter that describes the model is just the height of that of that parabola
1: the idea is that so as as I vary my parameter, um, the yes. the, the, uh, the 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 theory uh, the theory it like traces out a parabola basically. Um, so, so oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So 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 for example, you might pick uh, I, I don't know the, the parabola might look like something like I don't know like the parabola might be x squared or something, mm-hmm. and uh, the the theory parameter x uh, corresponds to a theory predi- like x equals x equals two or something give corresponds yep. to a theory prediction of four, and uh, the the sure. so um, it, it, it's this correspondence between saying, oh, what's the, the model parameter is X and the, the, uh-huh. the theory prediction corresponds to this parabola. Um, oh, I see, and I see. There will be one measured data value, which, which is going to be a good fit for the parabola, for example. So um, uh, it might be that the measured data takes the value, f- I don't know, like uh, 16 or something, in which case the best fit value for the measured data mm-hmm. is the 0.4, but we still want to propagate error from that, 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 that measured data. So you still yeah, have to do this yeah. kind of Monte Carlo, like uh, uh, making lots of different universes things. If the measured data were, were say one instead, and mm-hmm. maybe there's an uncertainty of I don't know, like I don't know four on it or something, then you might mm-hmm. might end up getting lots of things that fall beneath the the, the the smallest point on the parabola. Right. And this is this is this where we get this problem that actually you know like you get lots of universes which we don't believe can be universes basically. So yeah, like so, sure. really they should be they should not be included in the Monte Carlo propagation. Okay. But yeah.
2: If I'm understanding correctly, this is uh, the, the the issue arises from generate that effectively you're generating these these replica universes by assuming some kind of distribution around the measured point and uh, that that distribution is given to you only by the kind of measurement uncertainty right should you not sort of build in the theory a little bit more into determining that distribution I mean should you just heavily penalize or set to zero the probability of generating a replica universe that doesn't agree with with the the theory Yes. Or is that assuming too much? The theory.
1: <laughs> ah, well, well, So, so yeah. So you can you can say that you know, like you're going to cut out any replica universes where where mm-hmm. this is not the case. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, this still doesn't actually solve the problem. So, um, though ah. it, it optimistically you might say that it does, but it it's, it's not quite. <laughs> unfortunately, um, okay. the problem is that yeah, you can the, the distribution that you get is still slightly uh, is slightly distorted compared to the kind of distribution that you want. Uh, the main problem is that the behaviour near the minimum uh, you. You still get like a pile up of like solutions that you know like near the minimum that are not quite reflecting the the, the correct decay that the, the, the that you should be getting in the in the distribution in fact if okay. you remove if you remove all of the replica universes the thing that you get is instead of getting a massive peak you end up getting a trough where you should be getting like something that's a bit more smooth so you know like ah. so, so <laughs> the, the, the pileup is okay. not quite correct in terms of the way, the way that you're doing the sampling so yeah um, so you again you can say okay well what if I just like weight the distribution a bit more towards the bottom you know like what if I alter the kind of the, the kind of like the experimental like the experimental distribution at this point you're now fiddling with the experimental data and saying really I expect you know like the, the, the experimental data should not be a normal distribution anymore I think it should be this distribution instead you know like mm-hmm. and you know, like you're, you, you modify a little bit more to try and fill in the trough and try and get a nice distribution for your parameters at this point you 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 can kind of fix fix things and you know like get things to agree with other methods of exper- uh, experimental error propagation so something like Bayesian yeah. methods you can start getting mm-hmm. agreement if you you make this kind of modification but it's complicated um in order to do it so you have to like compensate quite a lot with the experimental distributions
2: and it feels it feels kind of unsatisfying to be tinkering so much with with uh,
1: you know with this distribution Certainly, yeah. yeah, it's 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 not it's not very natural, certainly, in terms yeah. of the way that you the way you deal with this problem, and yeah. it, it becomes it becomes worse as well when you get to the kind of the kind of level of data that we actually work with, which is instead mm-hmm. of so I've been describing it in terms of one data point and one theory parameter, and it's been it's been fairly intuitive to kind of say you know, like, oh we should like put some more points when you know, like we don't have enough points there, um, it's way more complicated when you're fitting you know like a 700 dimensional space to you know like a 4,000 data points or something like. <laughs> that and immediately <laughs> you kind of your picture is you don't how you can't have a picture of it anymore so yeah so yeah. it becomes yeah. immediately a, a problem that becomes a bit more intractable in terms of working out the correct way to fix the distributions to to generate uh, to, to, to generate good results but yeah
2: for sure and i and i guess the 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 kind of computational effort required to just sort of trial and error it it's it, that's that's going to grow quite immensely as well
1: uh, yeah, so yeah, like the computational effort is 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 a lot as it is, to be honest. Uh, mm-hmm. So when when we when we train one of our one of our replicas, when we do the fit for a single replica, uh, it takes about ten hours of computing time, um, and wow. uh, which it is is long, but it's not it's it's not terribly long. You know, like it's, it could be worse. You know, like <laughs> that's on a on a supercomputer, right? On, a, on that's, a cluster. That's right. It's on a cluster, exactly, exactly. So um, though, and um, to do, therefore to do you know like an actually. A realistic fit where you have a good number of replica universes, you need to do about a thousand of those copies. So it's like a thousand times ten hours. You're looking at ten thousand computing hours really to do a, like a single fit of your pattern distributions. And then when you when you realise that you uh, you wrote the code wrong and then you have to submit the whole thing again, then you're like, yeah, yeah. Uh, then it, it rapidly becomes more than ten thousand hours. Um, but yeah, so so yeah. so um, already you if like doing trial and error in terms of changing the sampling distributions, it's it. Can be it's not really a feasible like uh attempts to fix the problem unfortunately yeah so um (laughs) campbell
2: you stole one of my questions oh i'm so sorry brian (laughs) 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 i'm sorry i'm i'm too i'm too curious uh well just to maybe steal another one um the you've you've been talking about um bayesian methods but that you know and and trying to fit to those i mean that's sort of assuming obviously that that those methods are, are providing uh, a better um, handle on what the true error propagation uh, is that we're looking for. I guess they they might they might um, allow for a bit more insight into where our assumptions, um, yeah, where our assumptions come in when when uh, when doing these calculations. But I mean, at the end of the day, it, there's no kind of independent, fully independent uh, check that we have, right?
1: That's completely correct. Yeah. So, so, yeah. So in terms of like. When we're trying to come up with uh, these kind of error propagation methods, you do need to decide in terms of what statistic, what what you actually want to get out of this. So, Mm. and in a Bayesian method, the kind of the 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 general idea is that yeah, you state your assumptions, and given the evidence, uh, you will be able to infer the correct distribution. So, you know, and it's it's kind of it's it's fairly basic probability theory. So you will be you will you will be getting the correct answer in terms of the distribution that you get out if you already know what your prior knowledge is going Mm. to be. So yeah. So people... Tend to like, uh, well, t- tend to think that Bayesian methods are the, the, the kind of paradigm that you should be aiming for in terms of particle physics um, and in physics more generally as well, because this is, as I say, reflects the kind of experimental process where you start with a hypothesis and then you test the hypothesis to get some more data on it and you update your hypothesis accordingly. So um, this is different from the Monte Carlo, as I say, because the Monte Carlo is, you know, like uh, is is really saying that, you know, like, oh, if we repeated the experiment in multiple different universes, we would have this spread, but this is not something yeah. that you can do. You you can only do the experiment once. So you know, like um and this it, it puts Monte Carlo closer with uh, what are called frequentist methods instead of Bayesian methods. Yeah. Um, and frequentist methods have this kind of, uh, this general idea that, you know, like there is there is one truth, um, uh, and like there is one 100% correct answer. And uh, what what my error bars should be, what my understanding of error bars should be, is that if I repeat my experiment, you know, like a billion times, you know, like then, then I should get error bars for each of those different attempts. And on average, uh, 95% error bars, for example, 95% of the error bars will cover the true value. Uh, mm-hmm. This is this is different from the the Bayesian perspective, where you know, like, actually, the thing that you're hunting is really like a random variable that gets updated in terms of its distribution every time you like make an observation, and that distribution of the random variable becomes more and more precise as you as you as you hone in on the on 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 the truth. Um,
2: right.
1: So the, the the key difference is, yeah, like as I say, Bayesian methods reflect the scientific process where you get more yeah. and more evidence, and you actually like you carry on honing in on the truth. Frequentist methods, they they're not, not quite. Uh, in, in the same way, because they, they rely on the idea that you could repeat your experiment, you know, like a billion times, you know, which yeah, is not yeah. really not really the case, you know, like when we actually get, like when we get a result from when we get a result in 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 particular in our field, uh, we get a result from the LHC that tells us, you know, like here is the result of uh, proton-proton collisions, and this is the the amount of proton-proton collisions that resulted in like two W bosons being produced or something, and uh, this is the number that we got, yeah. and here are the error bars, and we get nothing more than that because you can't you can't resolve it to you know like yeah, okay well th- those protons gave us that with that probability and those protons gave us that with that probability it's it's too too coarse uh, it's too coarse to, yeah in terms of the resolution that we have so really it's yeah. essentially we get like one data point for it and then we, we there is no like rolling the dice multiple times to check you know like whether whether the kind of yeah. thing where computing is correct or not uh, but, yeah. yeah it's
2: it, the the philosophy is more about you know probability is meant to be you know, telling us something about our degree of belief that we should have in in a particular outcome or or model or whatever, um, as opposed to frequentists, which you know it, it's saying something about the the kind of long term average of of many many repetitions. That's exactly so I guess right. and yep. Bayesian would say something like, "Well, that's." that's a rubbish model of probability or idea of probability to have because you can't do these repetitions <laughs> exactly exactly yeah so
1: i mean and that, that is the case in, t- in specifically in our field and to be honest in lots of other uh, other areas in physics as well so yeah mm-hmm. um but yeah so so, so uh, often uh, often the frequentist kind of like mindset is not necessarily the appropriate one to be taking in terms of the yeah. error bars that you actually want to compute um yeah. and there, there isn't a guarantee that you are going to get the same answer either so you know because the frequentist questions that you ask are are, are they ask different are they ask different questions to The Bayesian, the Bayesian questions, despite the fact that superficially they can seem quite similar. Yeah, so so uh, as you say, degree of belief is different from you know like uh, like having long-term repetitions and things. Yeah, so they are actually they are subtly different ideas. You know, like even though you might expect initially for them to agree, but uh, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, that was going to be one of my questions. Is you know, given that there are multiple methods, I guess I'm wondering: is is there any virtue of you know maybe like a second level? of analysis where, all right, maybe you've used your method and somebody else has done their method. And then is there ever, like, is there a field where people look just at those, uh, Mm. those and then try and combine them and say, well, we like your method 75%. (laughs) We like this method 25%, you know, or at that point, is it kind of just like, yeah, this,
2: you're already spinning so many <laughs> plates and it's not... You, you no write way. the paper and be done with it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. it's, it's difficult because, uh, I mean, yeah, there are there are plenty of um, error propagation methods within within the field that, that, that I'm in. So I mean, like, yeah, so, so as I say, the multicolor replica method is the one that, that is used by, by the collaboration that we work with. Um, but other collaborations do use different methods, um, uh, and uh, like famously, you know, like, uh, like the uh, the CTEC collaboration and the MSHT collaboration use something called the Hessian method for propagating errors, uh, which is m- more Bayesian in its approach, but still makes lots of assumptions because the the, the, the pro- it's quite difficult to propagate errors in such a high-dimensional space. Um, so you do like even if you say I'm going to do a Bayesian method, you do have to kind of like make some make some you know like uh, allowances to the fact that you know it's not it's not easy to propagate the errors if you're not using your not using this Monte Carlo. Um, but uh, the, the the result of their fits, they they obviously get fits as well and they get error bars on those. Um, all of them for the LHC are combined together by um, they 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 combine the, the the result of the PDF determinations with the other determinations of the PDFs into one like superset of PDFs which are called like the PDF for LHC sets. And so these are supposed to have some sort of like uh, some sort of uh, uh, not average but some sort of like a uh, representative weighting of you know like the errors from each of the collaborations so yeah, who say that the errors should look slightly different at different places? But yeah, <laughs> so this is supposed to compensate for the fact that there is a variety of statistical treatments that um, that go into these kind of determinations. Um, mm-hmm. though, though, of course, you know, like you, it would be nice if you know, like there was one, you know, like unified way of doing it. So unfortunately, the, the, every statistical technique suffers from you know, like uh, uh, limitations. Definitely. So yeah. Um. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Why?
2: Why is um, if 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 there seems to be this kind of uh, gold standard, if you like, of of, of of Bayesian methods, maybe that's too that's too weighted or uh, that's that's too um, yeah loaded of a term. But um, if people tend to like Bayesian methods or uh, yeah Bayesian methods of error propagation more, why, why you know what's the selling feature of of Monte Carlo uh, replica methods?
1: Well, um, the the thing is, yeah, like uh, most of the time, people expect good agreement between these methods. So, yeah. So, yeah. um, uh, there the, are the, 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 the kind of the pitfalls of Monte Carlo. It's quite difficult to see them a lot of the time, uh, because you know, mm-hmm. as I say, when you're working with a seven hundred dimensional parameter space and a four thousand data point set, uh, you it's not necessarily clear that these kind of these these problems are going to manifest themselves. Um, mm-hmm. and the the thing is, you, you you in order to actually benchmark it, you need to compare with a Bayesian fit, um, with exactly the kind. Of like the same sort of settings and uh, that is also impossible to do because uh, it, it's uh, to do Bayesian methods you you have to you have to sample effectively from what's called the Bayesian posterior uh, which is this idea of this this probability distribution that you get by updating your prior with the evidence the Bayesian posterior the resulting thing uh, it's it's not an object you can easily access you have to somehow get like sample from it this is in contrast with Monte Carlo where the the, the, the data like the, the data the data distribution is super easy to access it's usually just a normal distribution you can just fluctuate easily. The Bayesian mm-hmm. one, very difficult to access. Instead, uh, and in order to sample from it, loads of methods have been developed. So, um, so things like um, Markov chain Monte Carlo, which is a different Monte Carlo, so it's it's uh, it's a way of exploring the posterior distribution space. Um, right. But uh, there, there's this, there's nested sampling, all sorts of like uh, innovative methods to do it. But they typically only work very well in low-dimensional spaces. So, um, so mm-hmm. people have to make approximations on what the posterior is going to look like, things like that. Um, so, so if you actually if you want to Benchmark the two against one another, you 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 might you might you're going to struggle a little bit in terms of like saying you know like which one is the is 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 it, whether Monte Carlo is doing a good job or not. Um, but typically the kind of approximations that people yeah. do with the Bayesian and the, the thing that people do with Monte Carlo, they typically agree pretty well. So, you know, like um, in in terms of the stuff that, that people have, uh, in in terms of PDF determinations that we currently have. Uh, the main problem with us is that they the, the two methods disagree quite strongly when you start adding some certain new physics effects in terms of the effective field theory that we were talking about before so Mm -hmm. in one of the recent studies that we did we tried to use Monte Carlo error propagation and we found that it was telling us that uh, there was a significant deviation from the standard model like four sigma deviations for some of our operators and you're like these these (laughs) tiny error of course you know like we we, we celebrated immediately and we said yeah we've discovered new (laughs) physics but you know like but it turns out that yeah it was really kind of to do with this problem of you know like we were generating lots of replicas in the universes that were not well described by the the theory that we were using, um, mm-hmm. and the operators were trying to compensate with this, and they were they were getting highly peaked in a region where they really should have had much more of a spread. Um, so cutting these replicas can they the really benefits it and says you know like yeah actually there should be a bigger spread in, in general. Um, but mm-hmm. so it means that there's there's this subtle complication that sometimes you do have to worry about this. But yeah, cutting the replicas is also no easy feat because it sounds like it's an easy job to do when you have like when I talked about the one parabola example one one data point thing. You can just say, ah, oh, get, get rid of the ones that fall below the parabola. But again, when you have a 700 dimensional space, 4,000 data points, it's very difficult to tell what regions are accessible by the theory and which ones aren't. So Absolutely, cutting it, yeah. cut, cutting it is a much more difficult problem than it seems initially. <laughs> so yeah, but um, anyway, yeah.
2: And, and as you say, even, even if you do just cut them, you might get a distribution or, or you, yeah, you might get errors that also are not reflective of
1: the true values. That's right. also true. Yeah, exactly, okay. exactly. So yeah, we you have to you ha, you do have to worry about like weighting factors and things like that. So mm-hmm. so the problem is 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 in in general very difficult to solve. So yeah, so mm-hmm. um so you you kind of when you're using the Monte Carlo, you just have to kind of hope that you're not going to be in that situation. So which is the the, the majority of the hope with PDF fitting most of the time. You hope that the fle- the flexibility is going to be good enough to compensate, and actually it, it will give you some sort of reasonable distributions that should agree more or less with some mm-hmm. sort of Bayesian approach. But yeah,
2: in your experience, is that that, is that a, a, a good hope is that, or is that too optimistic like I mean you, you had this one experience where things sort of led you initially to assume that um, you'd you'd found uh, some effect but turned out to be just sort of um, artifacts of these these spurious replicas does that in, in practice happen kind of more than you would like or is it actually quite a robust method in in most cases
1: in this effective field theory it's quite difficult to say to be honest so um so yeah. in 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 a lot of determinations of the the these effective field theory parameters that we, we, we were talking about the ones that, the, that are important for the new physics effects um a, lo- a lot of the time the effect is not really highlighted or at least to date it hasn't been so yeah but it turns mm. out uh, but it, it can depend significantly on the data that you are including so a lot of the time so um, or the theory that you're including so so if you uh, so the, the, the data that we were studying specifically recently was top quark data uh, where uh, in top quart data the the like quadratic effects are really really important as it turns out and so actually the, the the it's not it's not it's not 100% the same but it's like the parabola is like very very sharply peaked you know like so it's uh, yeah, so it's it's very you 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 the quadratic really really dominates basically so yeah um, you don't really get you know a nice like you know, shallow decline you know, like um uh, but yeah so 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 uh, it, when we were doing our study it, it became a really important effect but in previous studies actually like they've they've not considered the same kind of data set and as a result they've not really seen the same sort of effect but yeah um, one of the one of the collaborations that do fitting exclusively of the the EFT parameters so the ones that just describe the new physics who don't fit the PDFs at the same time they just fit mm-hmm. the, the EFT um, they assume like standard model uh, like standard model PDFs so, um, so the, which is a bit of an assumption in itself but um, mm-hmm. but they they benchmark everything they benchmark the bayesian mm-hmm. against the Monte Carlo and they find very good agreement in all the data sets they consider but uh, when we get to the top the, the kinds of the top data set that we've been considering then actually they do start seeing disagreement in their method as well so you know like uh, so it's it it, it really can highly depend on the data set that you're using so in terms of PDF fitting as well which is one of the things that obviously we're concerned with a lot uh, it's it's difficult to say you know like a lot of the time I mean in in most PDF determinations that we've had so far uh, the kind of the 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 error bars seem to like agree quite nicely across you know like I don't know the the methods that other collaborations use which are only approximately Bayesian um, compared with ours which is Monte Carlo but uh, we don't really know if any has checked, you know, like on on like the the most up to date data set whether you know like Monte Carlo is doing a good job compared to you know like a uh, uh, Bayesian method, and we don't know if anyone has checked like uh, on a proper Bayesian fit, not one that is just approximate, whether they're getting the same sort of answers. Um, indeed, actually, there was a there was a there was a recent determination by the NNPDF collaboration of PDFs. I think at the end of 2021, um, they uh, the 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 their latest publication was that they found that actually they they have very small uncertainties now with the new data set that they have and a lot of people were not really expecting these like, these small uncertainties uh, and a lot of people were saying oh the uncertainty is a bit too small you know like I don't know like we're, we're like compared to some of the other like groups you're getting very small uncertainties and we don't we don't necessarily trust these so much um, and we think that one of the explanations could be to do with this Monte Carlo but um, uh, and that's something that we, we are we're thinking about at the moment and trying, trying to have a look at um, which is obviously an important thing because people do use these these PDFs as I say in 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 the LHC predictions in general. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um I was
2: very um facetiously going to suggest calling this episode uh something along the lines of is most particle physics wrong or something. <laughs>
1: <like that>. <laughs> <laughs> I
2: don't know what we're going to end up uh, uh, calling it but but I I guess yeah, yeah I, it's but the uh, well the answer obviously to that question is is I'm sure no, no. <laughs> it probably is correct but, but the 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 question of when you know to what degree we can say it's correct is is quite
1: a subtle one exactly exactly yeah so i mean um... Uh, yeah when, when we kind of get down to the kind of like the small uncertainties that we have on, on these PDFs it can be uh, it, 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 we're at kind of the level where you know like most people agree that you know the PDFs are pretty good they're doing a pretty good yeah, job yeah. but like at the, the, the small level of uncertainties that we're at now we're kind of like in a very precision era of, of, of mm-hmm. physics when it is important to get this kind of detail right so um, yeah, if you go yeah. back if you go back 20 years no one cared you know like I don't know like, <laughs> like, you know, like and if you go back if you go back 40 years no one had any errors on these part distributions anyway and they were like oh you know <laughs> So, so, someone will work that out eventually, I'm sure. So, you know, like, yeah, so, um, because, yeah, so, cause, yeah but, um, but, yeah, like, and they didn't even need to take it into account as an effect that was an error. But now it's actually becoming important, and it probably is important to get these subtle effects right. Um, but will mm. it, like, will getting the subtle effects right, I don't know, suddenly change our entire outlook on, you know, like, particle physics? It, <laughs> no, it won't. Um, but it is, it, it will contribute to a, a better, like, precision physics program, which, of course, is important when we're hunting for new physics. so yeah, yeah um, we don't yeah. want to suddenly claim the existence. In new physics, when it isn't really there, it's just our poor statistics. Yeah, so um, right, right.
2: Which I mean, has kind of happened in the past, hasn't it? Uh, you know, in the in the not so not so distant past, there have been sort of news news headlines that oh, there might might have been a new particle discovered, new force discovered, something like that. Exactly. And yeah. it was, but it was never sort of five sigma, right? It was like oh, that's a sort of indication that there might be new physics, and then you do a bit more analysis, and the effect
1: goes away <laughs> it's true it's true yeah it's you can get very excited by some headlines sometimes and you're like oh you know like maybe maybe something's happening and then you find out very shortly that yeah, no, someone <laughs> has done some maths wrong and actually it's not it's not quite right yeah
2: yeah mm. <laughs> uh, damn standard model is so good <laughs> it's very robust yeah yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. And, uh, for any of my students listening check your work yeah. I always yeah. always check true. your work.
1: <laughs> true.
2: And those, those error bars you draw yeah. on the graphs, they're very important. <laughs>
1: they are, they are. So, you know, it's the sort of thing that, you know, like when I was at school, I was like, why are we doing this? You know, like, you know, like yeah. <laughs> but no, it turns, out, it turns out to be very, very important in the long term. But yeah, so yeah. But of course, you know, yeah. like, every, and, and it is important to say everyone make, makes mistakes, including, you know, like physicists who work for the LHC. So, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I do But you, usually the mm. result is, you know, like, we make an approximation and we realize that the approximation is actually not so good or the methodology is not so good good and actually it needs to be refined in some way to get the kind of like level of precision that we would like to have so yeah yeah uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. that's probably a fairer way of saying it rather than saying that you know like everyone is just bad at statistics or something <laughs> I so, uh, yeah
2: i, I mean um, audaciously i might claim right that that it doesn't actually matter if if uh there's a mistake on an individual paper or an individual individual person makes a mistake because the whole point of science right is that you you sort of take the the Wisdom of the crowd, and, and you look at the consensus of the field over many, many repetitions of the experiments and much analysis of the data. Um, and we've got a pretty good understanding of particle physics from many years of, of you know, smashing particles together. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Yeah. 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 Brian, what, uh, do you have any other sort of concluding questions or remarks? I do not. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I, I feel like that's a fairly good place to, to wrap up um, yeah. unless there's something else that you, that you feel like you just have to get off your chest, James.
1: <laughs> no, no, I think that, that, that's it. Yeah, yeah. So, thanks, thanks very much for listening to me talk about dry statistics for for,
2: for minutes, <laughs> <it>. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was fascinating. I mean, yeah. like, who, who knew that the sort of philosophy of probability had so much to do with uh, looking for you know beyond standard model physics? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's, pretty, it's pretty cool. Well, um, yeah, I mean, thank you again very much for for joining, James, for two whole episodes, yes, taking thank up you. a lot of your valuable fourth-year PhD thesis writing time. Sorry about that.
1: <laughs> no, no, no. You're very welcome.
2: Anytime, anytime. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, thanks again to Andrew for the uh, for the suggestion of the topic and the question.
0: Yeah, thank you, everybody, for listening. As always, sharing, rating, reviewing helps. More data points, essentially. The more reviews we have, <laughs> the more uh, ratings we get, More, just more data, everybody will have a better understanding of where we are at in the physics podcast landscape. Uh, I just want to add my own thanks to Andrew and to James. If James, anytime you want to come back, this, this, is, this space is yours. You want to go off on some new method of you know, statistical analysis, uh, here's your platform. So, uh, thank you. Thanks. <laughs> I, know, I know there's not, not a lot of places make space for that, but here on Questions. Yeah. <laughs> no, thank you so Rant much. Sean. Yeah. And uh, we'll see everybody next
2: time. you've been listening to question field question field is a game media production and is produced by its hosts Campbell McLaughlin and Brian Buchanan for more information please check us out on Instagram at question field pod on Twitter at quest field pod and on TikTok at question field if you have a question you'd like to submit or would simply like to leave a message, please send us an email at questionfieldpod at gmail.com. Recently, the James Webb Telescope discovered five new stars, located in the review section of your favorite podcast app. Thank you for listening.